Okay, uh, but if I get loud, then I uh, see that could be. I could bring that up on me. God. What about when you get loud? Yeah, that was loud. That was that was a yawn. I felt like it was a loud yawn. Sorry there. <laughs> it was the loudest thing you've done. The loudest thing you've done today is yawn. In today's episode, we talk about some fundamental agile metrics and how to use them. You're listening to the Iteration Station. Welcome to today's episode of the Iteration Station. I'm your host, Jake, joined as always by Brett. Brett, how are you doing today? Good looking plaid shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... I, I don't know what to say about my shirt. I guess it's flat. Yeah, well, I use, I use the only descriptor you could use towards it. So, yeah. Uh, a funny story about this shirt. Uh, I went to the gym one morning and forgot to bring a shirt for work. So after I went to the gym, I had to go to the closest store that sold shirts and bought this shirt. Today? No, not today. It was uh, a couple months ago. Oh. No, this is not a brand new shirt. Today. No, it, it would have been it would have been more interesting story for this today. Uh, <laughs> all right, so today's episode we're going to talk a little bit about metrics. Um, mainly, we're going to be going over kind of the basics uh, that that generally that agile teams are kind of tracking and using, how best to use them, and types of situations you might use them in. So, uh, I'm, should we just go straight down the list? Yeah, 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 I think that's a good way. I think like one thing we want to call out is the metrics that we're talking about are specific to the team, like. A lot of times management will have a tendency to try and use these metrics to compare teams or measure uh, the team's effectiveness. Um, but the, the thing we want to pay attention to is these metrics, they all tell a part of a story. They don't tell the whole story. So you can't just take them out of their context and use them as some comparison tool or a forecasting tool. It's all about informing the story of a sprint. And I think even even all of the metrics together doesn't tell all yeah. the story, right? Yep. And, and I think that's a, a good point you make about not comparing teams based on these. I think that goes for all of them, even the ones that you can, you know, that are percentage based. Yep. It doesn't necessarily make sense to compare those right. uh, team to team. So, yep, for sure. Cool. Well, we'll get started with uh, velocity. Um, so velocity, of course, is tracking the number of story points that your team has completed in a given iteration. Uh, and generally you want to just kind of track that over time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a really good forecasting tool. Um, as you kind of get a couple sprints under your belt, you should be able to see some averages and see some trends as to how many points your team can complete. Um, and then that kind of tells you, informs you what you can load up your next sprints to accomplish. So it's really a forecasting tool. You can use it kind of as a diagnostic if you want to. Um, if you know, you know your average velocity is you know 22 points or whatever, uh, and you see a dip in that for a couple sprints, then you can start asking questions, especially in your retrospectives. You know, why do we have this dip in, in our velocity? Right, and so when you, when you say a forecasting tool, in how, how far out? I mean, because I, I, I look at, I think, normally the burn-up chart as more of that forecast. Is, yeah. Is, I feel like the velocity graphs and you know, the velocity as just an average generally informs that burn-up. Is that kind of how you're... Yeah, yeah, it can it can inform the burnup, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, more immediately, it can it it's usually used to inform your next sprint. in the next sprint. So, for yeah, your planning so loading capacity. Up, yeah, yeah, exactly, your capacity okay. for the next sprint. Yeah, and then I, I think that's an important part that you're making too about diagnostics of past sprints and retrospectives, things like that. Is I, I mean, do you look at trends over time? hoping to see velocity increasing, or again, is it just kind of a, it's a piece of the story, not necessarily all of it? Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, you, you should be able to see velocity increasing, especially with a newly formed team. Uh, they, as they're getting to know each other and understand how they do work, if it's early on in their agile uh, maturation, then it should be increasing over time. But you'll start to see that plateau as you start hitting uh, efficiencies. Um, but overall, yeah, you should still see increases as time goes on. It just takes more time to to get. I mean, it's kind of logarithmic, yeah. a little bit on on that. Um, yep. I, I think probably just as important though is over time you want to see consistency. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your first five sprints as a new team is probably going to be all over the map a little right. bit. You might have some zeros and then some things that are about twice as much as you'd expect. But yeah, especially maybe even after like a year or so, you want to start seeing pretty much within a, a one standard deviation right, from, yeah. from the mean. So. I, yeah, and I think that's an ideal even in itself. We say that we want to see your velocity increase over time, but I feel like over those long periods of time, there there are things that we don't really consider when we talk about agile processes in general. Uh, it's rare that, in my experience, for a team to be consistent over a year. Like, team members come and go, or there's reorganizations. Right, right. And so, whenever your team changes like that, when your team makeup changes and the dynamics change, then your velocity is going to be affected. Right. So, if you could maintain a team for five years, you should see the velocity increasing over all five of those years. It just doesn't increase as much as you get towards the end of it. Right, and increasing in, again, that consistency, because the changes yeah. here, you're still going to see changes, so it wouldn't be perfectly consistent, and the work is different from sprint to sprint. But sure. um, I think that's an important thing, and, and probably a bit that's missed in when you're looking back in velocity is the kind of the milestones of the changes that were made in the team, whether it's personnel changes or uh, even sometimes project changes. Yep. Uh, maybe stakeholder changes even can affect some of that stuff. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, um, if the type of work that you're, you know, if you're a development team and now you're, all of a sudden you're doing mobile development that's new to you, that's going right. to affect your velocity for sure. Yeah, and I think, I, I mean, that's one way to kind of try to put the story in with the metrics, right? So you're not just looking at one thing. Um, if you can note where different events happened in those velocity charts, you can kind of better explain a little bit what's going on with, with those metrics. Yep, yeah. Um, yeah, so that I mean, that's velocity. That's the one I think most traditionally is probably tracked. Yeah. Uh, and then tying in kind of the, the twin, the other side of the coin is the reliability. Mm -hmm. um, of course, the the percentage of committed points that were completed versus how many were committed to. Yeah. Yeah. I think I said that in a comprehensive <laughs> right. way. Yeah. And and this one's always it's always hard to like put this one into words. It's like what did you say you get done? You would get done, and then how much of that did you actually right. get done? So. We're not counting stories like bonus stories that you pulled in uh, mid-sprint yep. or anything like that. It's right. just, what did we say we would do and how well did we do that? And I, I've seen at least frequently in, in my time here that you're targeting a certain number with reliability. How, how do you think about that? Yeah, it, um, it sort of depends on your organizational uh, culture. So we like to say that we want to hit 80% reliability. If your reliability is 100% every time, then you start to wonder, is your team taking enough risks? Uh, are they really kind of pushing themselves or are they just kind of phoning it in? And is that an indication that maybe the team is sandbagging a little bit here and there? Um, so 100% so over a long period of time, that can be a red flag. But again, it's these, all these things just inform the story. Um, yeah, so if you're if it's low, obviously that's something that you want to talk about right. as a team. Right, yeah, if, it's, if it comes in really, really low. I think 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's such an interesting thing. Is why, like, it seems like why wouldn't you want it to be one hundred percent all the time? You know, that would, <laughs> that in some ways would make your forecasting a little easier if you know what they commit to, and generally speaking, you can get their average commitment size. That yep. that might make it easier, but at the same time, that might be eliminating some potential of maybe we can commit to higher and right. you know achieve that. Yeah, yeah, um, that could be an indication that maybe a team is under committing a little bit. Yeah, an issue issue of like complacency or something like yeah. that. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe just not understanding how the processes work and the value of it. Um, if your organization is saying, like, we want high reliability, then you're going to have a team that says, all right, well, we're only going to commit right. to, like, half of what we can do, but we'll pull everything else in as bonus. Yeah. And you're kind of undermining the value of, of these metrics then if you're, you know, kind of shortchanging them and trying to make the numbers look good as opposed to actually using Right, and I think that's, that, that's important because we've run into that before is whatever the management team says – they want out of metrics is what they will get. Yeah. Yep. But that's not, I mean, that's not what you're actually valuing. What you're valuing is your outcomes. Right. And, and I care about that far more than I care about any yeah. of the metrics that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I mean, that's just it. Is I'll undercommit and over deliver then and I'll look right. like a genius, I guess. But I, yeah, <laughs> that that's a really good point to bring up. These metrics don't, the higher up in the organization you bring these metrics, the less value they, right. they serve. Yeah. They're really valuable to a team. They're great in a retro or a sprint review, um, but once you start leaving the team, like they can also raise red flags that don't need to be raised because it's not what their intended use is, and it's kind of selling a, a false story a little bit. So you have to be very careful with how they're being used outside of your team. Yeah, totally. And I think equally important is, you know, you said the, the higher up it goes, the less important the metrics are. Right. A lot of, well, in some cases, uh, leadership or senior leadership or whatever might be very data driven and feel like those numbers are are the answer are what is actually happening yeah and so that can be kind of a difficult thing to to grapple with as you say well you know here's the numbers we're publishing to you but don't look at them right. you know right. and and especially for somebody with that kind of work style to to try to it's just a shift to say here's you know, here's our sprint goals. That's almost a better metric is how many times do we hit our sprint goal? Right. Or how many times do we deliver the project on, on time? You know, those are more yeah. of the important things for that more senior leadership level to look at is the outcomes versus the the day-to-day team performance. That's an interesting thing that you, you brought up. You said, here's here are the things that we're publishing, but don't look at them. I wonder if you didn't publish them and then people started asking for them. Is that not, would that create opportunities for you to kind of coach a little bit and say, right. why do you care about the velocity of this team versus that team? And maybe there's a mindset shift that needs to happen and that, and it creates that opportunity for that change to occur. That, yeah, that's a perfect question. Why do you care about this? Because I don't, I don't know how many times they're going to be prepared with an answer that isn't one that, you know, goes against the ideals. Of right. Outlook. Well, I need to compare it against this team. So right. Yeah. Team, so, which is obviously not what these are for. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I, I'm going to get a little tangential here. I, I think a sprint goal like completion percentage is almost a, a metric that would be something you can kind of throw into the mix of yeah. not necessarily even like a binary did we meet our goal or not but maybe it's you, your product owner scores at zero to five or one yeah. to five and just see how much of our goal did we really accomplish this sprint because then that that kind of mixes the velocity and the spirit of what all the metrics are for of, right. of the outcomes yeah because that's really what you're trying to drive towards is your sprint goal right saying like this is what we want to get done the velocity, we don't really care about that. The reliability, we don't really care about that. We have a goal that we're trying to accomplish, 
and can we get that done? Right. And I almost feel like that should be printed out, you know, <laughs> yeah. on, on like a plotter above every yeah. team is what is your goal this sprint? Yeah. Just have sure. that in big letters. And then I think that just kind of helps to level set on this is what we're working towards. It's not any of these individual stories necessarily. Yep. It's the overall goal. However we get to that is what we want to get to ultimately. Yep. Absolutely. All right. I'll reel it in a little bit to, <laughs> to what we're supposed to be talking no, about. No, I so. think that was a valuable, valuable <laughs> tangent for sure. Um, so the next, next thing we want to talk about is the burn down chart. Uh, Brett, you want to bring us in on this one? <laughs> yeah, so the burndown, uh, what we're talking about with the burndown is uh, as you go through your sprint, you've got um, so many points that you committed to up front, and as you deliver uh, your user stories, those points get into the done column, uh, and then your burndown reflects those points as they're being delivered. So you should see, ideally, a fairly smooth line that goes down from... Uh, however many points you had, all the way down to zero if you complete everything right. in your sprint. So yeah, it's, it's tracking your points, your incomplete points over time. Yeah. Right? And then yep. so at the end of the day, you're hoping to, to have that hit zero. Yeah, um, that's a much much better way of saying it. I know, I, I regret throwing it over to you now to, to introduce <laughs> it. But, uh, I, one of the reasons, though, I get I, my brain doesn't work very well. So I, I can sometimes slip up on burn down and burn up. <laughs> yes. And uh, I, I think that's a common mistake. Yeah, yeah, that, def that definitely happens. Yeah, the burn down is for like, it's mid sprint. It's the real time, like where where do we sit point wise in our sprint and how are we tracking it? Yeah, there? yeah. And um, I, I mean, that that one I think is, I generally like to see those after the sprint has been closed. I think they're, they are valuable in sprint, but mm -hmm. um, when you see those situations where teams are plateauing, right, where it stays at, you know, 100% incomplete and then the day before the sprint ends, it goes down to zero. Right. Yeah. Like there, there's there's so many things you can derive of process that might be going awry. When, yeah. When you look at those. Yeah. There's yeah. I think that's a really good point to make. There's a lot of things that could drive that. You could have too much uh, work in progress. You could have things that are hung up in testing for mm -hmm. too long. Like there's any number of things, and it's just another example of the metric doesn't define the story; right. it informs the story. And and again, I think this is I think this is probably true of all these two that we've talked about so far. Is you don't want to look at any one sprint's metrics and say that's the problem, right? Um, almost if you could like overlay all of the burndown charts from a history of the teams, you can yeah. kind of see where the actual where's like the actual grouping up point that this is happening. And, yep. Because then that can kind of filter out some of the noise if there were a couple bad sprints that may have had a different story, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, that's a tough one though. You know, because oftentimes you have so much, whether it's you know change control or whatever else that you're waiting on, or mm -hmm. if you have a fragmented like QA different department, you can run into a lot of issues. Yep. That, I mean, they're it's good that we have the burn downs that can expose that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's I think that's a trickier one to fix sometimes. I think it takes a little longer to reel that one in. Yeah, and especially the larger your organization is, the harder those ones become uh, right. to actually tackle. But to your point, like it exposes those problems, and those problems can get escalated, and then actual change can happen. And that, I think that's a good thing. If you told your teams, you know, you could say, you could tell your teams, "I want to see your velocity hit this," and they can lie to make those numbers. Right. Yeah. We want your reliability to do this. They can fudge it to, yeah. to make it look like that. Yep. When you say we want your burn down to be a perfect line, they're going to say we need changes in the structure of how we're working, yep. uh, which can require some additional outside help. But I think it's an important like tendency to, to kind of reel in. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, so we'll move on to uh, the final one, which will be the burn-up chart. This is my favorite. Yeah? I Yes. I've I've had a lot of theories on uh, burn-up charts. And really? Like, oh, yeah. Well, now I, you I, piqued my curiosity. Well, I should have 
now I'm now I'm angry I didn't get my PowerPoint ready for, for this because I do have <laughs> oh, one. Nothing like topic. a good podcasting PowerPoint. That's right. Yeah, it plays really well on the audio. Um, the burn up, of course, is how your team is tracking completed points versus the estimated points of uh, the project or body of work that your team's working on. Um, I mean, it's the the forecasting tool that most of the if there's people outside of IS that are looking at any metrics, that's the one that they kind of want to see the most, right? Especially your project managers and stakeholders who are tracking towards a timeline. Yep. Um, it's using the velocity and the reliability of the teams to kind of try to project out sprint by sprint what is the most likely thing to happen uh, over time um, should scope stay the same and it mm -hmm. hits that point. So, um, yeah, I, my we do this here. I don't know that everyone does this, but right. we, we try to put out like a projection line of yeah. not just the perfect path of if everything stays average, but also like a like standard deviations away right. from the mean of what could happen. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on that of what the minimum and right. maximum line should be. And yeah. it, it I think at the end of the day it ends up it's not super important. <laughs> yeah, those I think that's true. Yeah. So this is interesting. This could turn into a debate. Because this is probably my least favorite metric. Oh God, I we should have prepped. Oh we probably should have <laughs> talked about this beforehand. Uh no, so the thing that I don't like about the burn up is it, if it's going to be effective in the ways that you talked about, it requires that you have defined the scope of the project up front. And I think that that gets away from our agile principles of uh, the iterative process of deploying something, seeing how the market reacts to it, and then pivoting and adding things to your back backlog. So the ones that I've enjoyed seeing, um, they graph your velocity, but then they also graph the size of the backlog. And if you can define your whole backlog up front, then, I mean, you could probably switch to a waterfall project management method, I would assume. Um, but then you're going to have all the hiccups that you have with, with that waterfall method. But you can, you can graph the size of your backlog because your backlog should be growing in size if you have a product that you're continually improving and you're, and you're building out. If your product has a definitive end state, then... Uh, then you then I think that's a good case for the back or for the burn up chart that you're talking about. Sure. So I, I don't I don't see it, and I, I, we don't really use these anymore now that we are aligned with product teams. Mm -hmm. uh, if your organization is working on project to project basis, which is not ideal, I think it's easier to use the burn up, and we had a lot of success using it at that point. Yeah. And yep. when you're graphing that horizontal, it's generally an estimation of how much scope is left. It allows you to see when you'll be done if it stays there. Mm -hmm. Could you add scope? When would you be done if you do? When would you be done if you lowered scope? So I think it, right. it allows contributing to that type of stuff within a project by project basis. Yeah. With products, I agree. It, it there is no top line, right? I don't, right. Then, then I don't know really what you're graphing at that point because yeah. you're not tracking towards an end goal. Yep. Um, I, I could see you using it if you're in a product basis of maybe your product owner says, look, I want to, for, for a little bit, I want to see how much we can add to this feature, but I don't want yep. to spend more than this many weeks on it. So let's let's basically spend what would amount to that much time, right. and that's what we'll call our scope. And as we add things, maybe I realize, you know, with, with market reactions, maybe I realize I don't care as much as I thought I did, or right. this is a really big hit. You can raise that that way. Yeah, we've been using it more recently since we moved to product teams and we've adopted SAFE. Um, I've been creating charts that are the burn-up chart for the entire Agile release train for the entire PI. Okay. And so we've kind of, coming out of our PI planning, we, we have an estimate of work that we're going to get done this quarter. And we just kind of graph that estimated amount of work, which in theory should just be a horizontal line across the top. Yep. It never is because scope changes, right. things come, things go. 
and then we track how much work we're getting done, uh, which is the traditional burn up, and then we can kind of forecast, like, are we going to hit that mark? But we've done it a couple uh, iterations now, or increments now, and what ends up happening is when things don't get done, they get moved out into a future PI. So if our line doesn't hit the top of the backlog by the end of the PI, we've brought our top of the backlog. Top of line, yeah, it comes down to me. You never lose, right? Right, exactly. But again, it informs that story about what happened in the PI. Right. So we can identify, like, oh, we got a lot less done than what we thought. And why is that? Well, and that, I mean, that trend is pretty obvious, too, if you see several PIs or if this is several burnups, whatever it is where you know where the end date is, when, mm-hmm. when the release date must be, if your scope line's always coming down to meet your done line, you're doing something wrong, right? You're, you're always, you're never getting to where you think you want to be. Right. So you're always cutting scope to say that you won. Those, are, those aren't real victories, right? right? Yeah. There's, there's some underlying problem there probably. Yeah, and it's important to expose that. You want to you wanna expose what is that problem, um, and then it'll help you get better as a team and as a whole train in general. Right. So I think that, again, that's just one of the, the four that we've kind of talked about today. But in uh, in concert, they work together to tell a little bit more of the story. But I think the one thing all four of them miss out on is the is, is reality. Right. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're all numbers. They, they don't they don't mention any of the actual social impacts or discussions that we have, the collaboration yep. or any of the, the non non tangible, non measurables that are actually being delivered. And I think that those. Uh, end up playing in a maybe even a bigger part than these metrics do individually. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, so that's a little bit of kind of the four basics. Uh, maybe we'll do another episode in the future about kind of the more hipster charts and yeah, things. Yeah. Uh, like a cumulative flow diagram. Oh, you know, I yeah. I'm I'm not smart enough to talk about that, Brett. So you'll have to. <laughs> that could be a whole podcast. You'll have to host that one. <laughs> uh, great. Any anything to add? Any other any other favorites we didn't talk about? Just to mention some honorable mentions. No. Uh, I mean, besides the cumulative flow, cumulative flow, that's a good one. Uh, I was reading recently about the happiness metric. The happiness of a team is a better predictor of um, how effective the team will be sure. than any of these other metrics. So that's that's always a fun one. That's always like on the softer side. It makes engineers and developers uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you always want to push people until they're that's, uncomfortable. That's right. That's yeah. what that's what truly makes them happy. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, great. That that wraps up today's episode. Thanks for for tuning in. 